Do you want to rewire your entire brain, your entire chemistry, every imprint and mark that has been left on you? Or do you want to find a way to to do what feels good in a safe and healthy way? Welcome back to I'm the Villain. So for this episode, this is a continuation of our conversation with Sunshine. So if you didn't catch last week's episode, this is a continuation of that. So definitely watch that first. Um, DeAndre couldn't make it for this part of the episode. And just a quick trigger warning um, for sexual trauma, specifically early childhood sexual assault. I, you know, since you mentioned to me like that you had been raped like at a really young age i really was um thinking about that ever since you said that and i was wondering like uh how that kind of manifests itself like you know how you know like the whole um the body keeps a score and all yeah. kinds of things like that where like you know they talk about how like even if you literally can't remember yeah like physical trauma that you may have experienced because like a lot of people even like you know as adults like not even as children who are raped like often don't remember it because like they blacked out or something like that mm-hmm. like i've never really talked with anyone about like how that manifests itself like having that kind of like intense trauma especially like to your body um, manifests itself after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, that's part of why. Like, how does that work? Yeah, I can kind of share with you um, the whole experience if you'd like here and kind of show. Okay. Um, yeah, how does that work? So when I was young, I had a babysitter and And so what I remember the most was this nightmare that I had. And I had this nightmare from about the time that I was three to maybe like eighth, ninth grade. Okay. And I would have it all of the time. And what the nightmare was, was I was, you know, young, you know, like my age, right? I was young. And I was walking in the woods and all of a sudden, and I'm walking and all of a sudden I fall, I fall into a hole and it was, what it was, was it was a trick. It was a trick hole. So there was a pile of leaves that was meant to like trap me and um, then I fall into the hole. And then once I was in the hole, I was tied up. I was um, put in a box and my hands and feet were bound into the box. So I couldn't move. So I was, I was tied up. Um, and in the dream, when this would happen, I would be aroused. And, um, so hypersexuality is a main way that this has manifested in my whole life. So, um, ever since I was very young, I would, I, I would masturbate a ton um, and specifically reenact. Um, I would I'd kind of like make my own porn actually and masturbate. I would do a lot of like 
um, like stuff with Barbies and things like that. And I would write stories and I was like very, very, very young. Um, but we can circle back to that cause I'll finish telling you about the dream a little bit. Um, and so I would be, so in the dream I'm walking, I would fall into the hole. I would be bound into the box. And then while I was in the box, it would be like, I was lying on my back and I would see these hands coming down, like down towards me and, um, where like, you know, um, yeah, like where my, you know, private, lower private areas are, it would visualize like a gear turning. It would be the dream. It was like a gear turning. And then I would feel like a rush of like, yeah, like arousal there, like sexual stimulation um, and the gears turning. And this was in a dream as like three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old child. Um, And then, um, and it was always like very, it was always very terrifying, the dream. But then it started to turn into like an erotic dream as I got older, like quote unquote older, like five, six, seven, um, and I would meet people, right, that I was attracted to. And the thing is, when I was young, I, it was never like, oh, I have a crush on you. It was like, I want to have sex with you, right? Like, mm-hmm. And with adults. So that was probably the worst thing, like, ever. Um, being young being being so young and not being attracted to people my age being attracted to adults because i felt so much shame i would flirt and like seduce older men and they would respond and 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 and, and so like it was almost like dare to say it you asked for it like right Mm -hmm. like I obviously don't believe that like I don't believe that anyone asked for it but I was like an adulterer child you know like Mm -hmm. like a seductive child and it didn't well did you like as a child was that something I guess like you actually did like feel like you wanted yeah I wanted to have I wanted to like keep having sex like And so what ended up, so what, um, okay. So, so back to what happened while I was a child. Um, so what had happened was my babysitter tied me up and her and her son would like, like use objects to rape me. Um, Mm -hmm. and then they would also make me masturbate in front of them and like do math as a, like, yeah three-year-old like how did you even yeah yeah Yeah, they would make me um like use objects on myself um yeah which ended up being a lot of I I used to do some artwork about that that I yeah yeah because I it was like everything under the sun right used to masturbate with and so in out so this is this has been a very a lifelong um experience of processing like how this has manifested but something that I realized lately is like I've always been a a performance artist in my sexual relationships 
Yeah. Right. Because from a young age, it was like, do this so you don't get in trouble. Do this so you don't get hurt. Do this um, to like protect yourself. And one of the things that I remember was like, they like, like my sister was like in the other room and like crying. And I don't, I was so young, I don't explicitly remember, but like, I was also like very, like, I could be very loud and rebellious. So I, I'm, I'm, I wonder, I do wonder if they like had some sort of threat to make me do this. I like, like, cause you wonder like, why Did your sister know what was going on? Um, no, she was, no, 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 she was, no. And I, I, and that wasn't why she was crying. No, but I, it was like, we were separated. They separated us. So I remember being taken from her, like, cause we were being babysat together. So either they did it to both of us and I was being tied up and hearing my sister cry or, um, like, like, I don't know. So there's, so there's a lot there, but part of how I came to piece everything together was like the only time I ever went to the woods as a child was to go to her, her house. Like, um, and, and so a lot, you know, started to piece together, like as I got older and things like that. But then like the dream started to change, like when there would be people that I was like attracted to. I remember in elementary school, there were like these three, these three kids in my grade that I was attracted to. And I used to, and then the dream started to change to them, like putting their hands in and like twisting my gears. Right. And I was a young kid. I was mm-hmm. in fourth grade, like um, having these like dreams. And then I remember I used to like masturbate to the thought of all three of them, like, like fucking me. Like I used to like masturbate to that as a young child. And so I feel like when we talk about kink too, right, there's like a direct relationship with like, like, when your first sexual experience is one of deviancy, like how do you even know sex in any other way? And so then, yeah. Right. Like, well, I was going to say, do you, I mean, I, I feel like for myself, I like basically had no sexual awareness, like even throughout high school, I would say I was extremely like, I really had, only really started developing sexual awareness like towards the end and like of high school being in college do you feel like when you were a kid and you were having these dreams and like did you like know i guess like did you feel like you have an awareness of like what that was well i knew that i was obsessed with sexual pleasure like i would masturbate all the time like I, I didn't know what it was, you know, like mm-hmm. I was raised Catholic. And so there was definitely a part of me. I remember thinking if I touch myself, I won't be able to have babies. Like that was a thing, like, like some mm-hmm. Catholic guilt stuff going in. Did that, do your parents like, say that or something? No, I just, I was raised in the church and also like, okay, not very like free, open 
sex positive people like in my life growing up at all. So like, I think it was just like, you know, like, yeah. And I, and I also remember my mom telling me when I was in fourth grade, I was going to kid down the blocks birthday party and she sat me down and she was like, boys only want one thing. And I was like, what's that? (laughs) And she was like, to put their penis in your vagina. And I remember saying, oh, I thought it was your mouth. (laughs) Because that, (laughs) yeah, because that was my experience as a child was like, people want to put penis in your mouth. Like, yeah, like, and, and I, and I laugh like, because it's terrible. Um, and I don't really know. Yeah. Like, like, like that was, that was really like, I remember like, no a sad thought um and it was that was like my mom like raising me very like fearful of sexuality so I always felt very ashamed I always felt very um terrified and I would like um but I would like spend so much time masturbating as a young child and I would like even make like Barbies like scissor right and then like touch myself Mm -hmm. things like that um like write stories um but then like as I got older, right? Like so middle school, let's say, um, I looked like when I like I have like a very voluptuous chest, right? Um, and I guess like trauma ages you, right? So when I was like twelve, you know, everyone thought I was in my twenties. Um, and so mm-hmm. I was like I would always kind of like attract a lot of attention from like predators. Um, and I have mm-hmm. learned like through therapy and like research and just like being more intentional now about like understanding this experience that like statistically, if you are sexually assaulted as a young child, like you're a lot more likely to be assaulted again and again and again. Um, Cause I, I, you know, um, I was molested by my seventh grade math teacher. Um, I was raped by someone when I was 17. Again, another time two months later. Um, And again, recently, um, like last summer, violently. So, um, I mean, it's always violent. But yeah, and, and there's a lot of like, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me, kind of like self-shame that I'm trying to like reclaim through art, like through um, like, I guess, like being honest about everything. Like right now I'm working on a film um, Mm -hmm. kind of about how this has rippled um, because I feel like I was like conditioned to almost like leverage my sexuality for survival. Like truly Mm -hmm. it was like the more seductive you are, the more performative you are, the more pleased you are, the better off that you're not going to get in trouble and you'll get out of this alive. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that really like stuck with me and I felt like I had to, or like looking back, right? Like I think, you know, in my earlier years, I didn't realize that it was happening. And it was kind of just like, 
the, you know, seeking of attention and validation and like the similar kind of like fear. Right. And and now it's even like healthy, consensual boundaries. Don't do shit. Right. And that, that's mm-hmm. like something to, um, you know, like, I guess I just have to, um, reckon with or re re frame the way I experience intimacy, um, versus sexuality. Cause that's another thing that I think about now more like trying to come away from sex and into intimacy and how, yeah. um, I felt like for most of my life, I only knew like sex and hypersexuality over being over sexualized. Um, Have you ever spoken with like your mom or your sister about what happened to you later? Yeah, I've spoken to my mom. Um, mm-hmm. My sister is so in a similar. Vi- okay, so along with this, there's also a lot of ancestral incest trauma in my family. So yeah. that's another thing. On top of all of this, um, yeah, my mom was raped by her father all her life. Um, mm-hmm. And my dad's brother um, raped my cousin all of her life. And mm-hmm. that was actually the thing that sent me to therapy. So when I was in seventh grade, my uncle got arrested for um, tying tying my cousin up and raping her. And um, I figured it out like from the internet and all you know all of these things. It was on the internet, um, like the news story, right? And then that me finding that out was like the way I was able to go to therapy. And that was like the thing that really started to like help me um, because I was given like mindfulness strategies and I used to have like really bad, like I, so it's funny, like um, I don't know what anyone, like it's hard to like fully know what anyone's impression of you, but I think people genuinely think that I'm like a happy, upbeat, you know, person. Um, but I used to have a massive amount, I mean, I still do, but I used to have, um, a massive amount of rage that came out in a lot of violence and a lot of anger and a lot of aggression. Um, I found a way to like harness that and like creativity, but I used to just like fight a lot and scream a lot and break things and do legal things and just like not give a fuck. And I was so rogue. Um, cause I didn't care. Like I literally didn't care if I lived or died. So I didn't, I, I like, I was like, so like defeated and broken and like violated. And like, I felt like I was already dead. Um, and so the therapy was very helpful. Um, my mom also is like on the healing journey. Um, and she she cries a lot. Like she cried a lot about um, 
everything, like hearing everything that happened. But my sister hasn't had any therapy. My sister hasn't really processed much. Um, and yeah. But my sister also won't see my art. She's never come to a show. She's never. Um, so I think, I think there's a part of her that like knows a lot of the suffering that exists in the create in, in the expression. Um, and maybe she doesn't want to see, I don't really know. Does how much, I assume it's your older sister. How much older is she? She's younger than me. So she was, she was, so she, um, would have been an infant. That's why I mean, she was like crying like a baby, like wah, 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 like nonstop. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't think she knows, but sometimes I wonder about like my uncle to her because she has a lot of like signs that would be explained by if she was like assaulted as a young child. Um, and so just like, in my family, it just runs deep of like not having a healthy relationship with sexuality or boundaries or um, anything, you know, like that. And so like, you know, lessons that like I've learned like now in the way that I, you know, practice relationship is like being almost like extra consensual, right? Like I'm so, 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 so careful because of like, yeah, the fear of like how it, like knowing like how it felt, right? And like how it could be. Are there a kind, are like, are there like support groups out there for people who like that have that, have like, have you ever been to something like that? Yeah. So I tried, get this, get this. So I tried to get in with the war support group, the Women Organized Against Rape support group in Philadelphia. They have, yeah. they are like the main, you know, sexual trauma support group. They have one support group meeting and it's at Mondays at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, who can come to a month, a weekday morning support group? Like, and I had expressed to them how inaccessible that was for working class people. Um, and they're like, we'll try our best. Um, I would say that when it comes to support, I don't feel like I have a lot of support for this experience. Um, considering like most of my friends are pretty healthy and well-adjusted sexually, I would say, like, I think lots of women have had like unconsensual experiences, um, of course, but I would say I haven't found a kind of space where talking openly and in detail and about like reactions to things now really exists. Cause right. It's one thing to talk about an experience, right? It's one thing to have support and like have someone listen, right. Or to be able to, you know, you know, make art about your experience. But I think like what we don't like talk about enough is like, well, what about the rest of your life now? Because right. 
right? Like, um, cause now everything is like, you're so used to fight or flight. You're so used to survival. It's like, how do you find pleasure? How do you find joy? How do you trust? How do you love yourself? Like, how do you not feel guilty? How do you not fill yourself with blame? Like, I would never blame someone else, but I'm so easy to blame myself. And I'm curious, like, like how that changes because it's still, you know, I'm 20, I'm almost 25 and I still have so much rage and I still feel tortured constantly, 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 constantly. If I allow yeah. myself to think about any of this, I will just, I would shut down and die. Like, I don't, like, it sounds dramatic, I know, but um, it's really like I've had to kind of dissociate to survive, it feels like. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people I know, or maybe not a lot, but I feel like some of the people that I know like who have experienced sexual trauma basically then was just like oh okay like we're not having sex anymore like there's just no like i have such negative associations with this that like you know this is just not able to happen and i almost find it kind of like surprising that like your childhood self like leaned into it in this way and i wonder if it's like because it was like okay if i enjoy it then that's empowering to me Right. It's not something that's happening to me. It's like something I'm more of an agent in. Do you feel like that's part of it? I feel like that's too deep for the kid in me. Like, I think it was okay. truly like, I feel like that's kind of how I'm trying to navigate um, like sexual expression now um, yeah. as an adult. But as a child, I think I was obsessed with orgasm. Like, yeah, honestly. <laughs> um mm -hmm. and like just discovering like what that was and um but I also know like I also didn't get attention at home I had a very abusive in every way shape and form father um mm -hmm. and I was never I never felt loved that, I remember that was like a main thing like I had a partner that was really supportive and lovely and like helped me with a lot of like sexual healing, I would say between the ages of yeah. like 18 and 23. Yeah. Like 23. Um, with like a long-term partner. And I remember being like, when I met them, like, like so like confused, like I was really confused that they were nice. I was really confused. I was like, what do you want? I was always like, what do you want? What do you want? Like, it was very mm -hmm. hard for me to understand that, like, someone just cared about me and someone was nice to me and someone didn't want to hurt me. And, like, someone didn't, like, think I was, y you know, like, because then even, yeah. um, like, growing up, like, you know, middle school and high school being, like, kind of, you know, sexually promiscuous, um, I did it. I would just kind of, I didn't advocate for myself. You know, I didn't know how to, I just thought that was what it was. You know, I just thought this was re like reality. And this was, there's no other way than this, right. Other than to just be like, 
unheard, unvalued, um, ignored. Like, like I mean, like, and I and I'll say this too. Like, it's probably been. Um, so I've been like diagnosed as a sex addict. Okay, so that's been you know a lot of healing for me um, now, like as an adult, and like being really intentional about the way I move forward. Um, but like before kind of that happened, I, um, and after I was out of this like longer term partnership, um, I had a lot of reckless engagements, um, with a lot of people in an unsafe way when it just because of, yeah. it was, and it was partially like, it was partially like an acknowledgement that it was unsafe and I like just didn't care. And it was kind of like an act of like, um, like being suicidal, I will say like a lot of situations that I, um, found myself in was because I like didn't care like much about my safety. Like, like a lot of times when I will talk to, you know, friends about my experiences, they will be very confused because they were just like, I would never do that. Like that is so often the response, but it was like a very like low level of care for my own life and like my own like um, autonomy and like living on. Like I remember thinking that I would never make it to 17. Like that was like where my head was at, you know, like I was very like, you know, um, but when, but then it was interesting when I was, um, like, you know, 23, like going, reverting back, like it felt like I was reverting back. Right. So, um, had a lot of trauma, had then a positive partner. And I would say that was helpful in processing the trauma. And then when that ended, I like reverted back. Right. And there was a lot of things that happened in that time. And one of them was I realized like I was like attracted to rapists. Um, And and Mm -hmm. it came out because I was, you know, talking with my friend about it. And it was like, um, I don't know. I was like, I don't know why I attract these people. I don't know why I attract this all the time. And she was like, well, maybe you're attracted to it. Like you're attracted to them. Right. And that, I don't know that like shook something in me because it was like, what is it that like, like, like what is it that, um, creates this like, um, pattern because then I was, and then, Um, there was someone that I was seeing who shared to me that they were assaulted as a young child. Um, and they had done unconsensual acts to me and they had told me that they were insulted as a young child. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like, like, or do we all just like find each other? You know, like that was the thought. And it was like, and then I realized, and like, how can like, you kind of like ex- like be healthy in 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 all of this um and that was when like um you know my therapist at the time had like really suggested like um exploring like intentionally like the kink community where there's lots of like 
boundaries and openness and communication and consent and like directness and support and community. Um, and so I feel like, like, and now like, that's like a very new chapter of my existence of like trying to find ways to not like hate myself for like being who I am, but be safe and not like, you know, have any more situations. No. Yeah. I think that I'm kind of impressed that your therapist like recommended that. I'm almost like, I mean, I don't know, but I'm like, I, I am kind of thinking to myself, like how many therapists would like say to a, you know, sexual assault survivor, like maybe you should try, you know, being a part of the kink community. But I'm sure that the, like, it sounds like that was like a really good suggestion, right? Yeah. I mean, it was like the best suggestion I feel like anyone's ever given me in my whole life because when we're faced with what is quote unquote sexual deviancy, right? It's always change. Don't be this way. Right. And so one of the things that we had a conversation about was she was like, I think you need to decide, like, do you want to rewire your entire brain, your entire chemistry, every imprint and mark that has been left on you? Or do you want to find a way to to do what feels good in a safe and healthy way? Right. Um, and so I feel like the notion of like, I don't know, sometimes I feel super terrified less. I mean, I guess that's not true. Um, I'll be honest and open about who I am with people. Um, do I, am I like fear like people would, if anything is more just like, I feel like society when it comes to like, jobs and things like that like that is like where there's a lot of judgment right like mm-hmm. even being polyamorous there's a lot of judgment um like yeah. and in like the way we love and the way we relate and the way we um you know explore like there's there's judgment but um and that's kind of like why I feel like as an artist like it's almost like permission to not care about being judged it's like well, my art is vulnerable. My art is raw. My art is real. So you can take it or leave it. And that's all it is. So there's, there is a lot of, um, healing that comes in being like scarily honest. I used to do, um, like installations about certain things, like certain, certain experiences where people would come and like witness it and experience like it was mostly like with scent and then sculpture. So like um, it would be like a pairing of like smells and um, like imagery. And, and then, you know, people would say like, Oh, I feel like you're making me have this, you know, unconsensual experience like through your art. And so that really got me to side like that, like silenced me as like, Oh, I don't want to trigger people. So I stopped making art about my trauma for many years, like, cause I was scared that I would be triggering people. Um, and I feel like the context of this show, like I'm the villain. It was very like, don't make art. Don't, you can't make a vagina because then you're a turf, mm-hmm. right? Like stuff like that. Or like, you, you know, like it was a lot of like 
be quiet about your personal experience because it's triggering. And it's like, yeah. And, and, and then there was a part of me for a long time that like respected that and stopped making art about my personal experience, especially because of everything that exists, like in the collective, it's like, who, who really cares about one person's little blip drop, you know, but I think it's what, what early childhood sexual assault um, says to me, like, the most is everything we do has such a profound ripple, right? It's like, really, every action is so significant. Um, And I try to use that as a lesson in my own life to really just be like, very careful about the way I engage with everyone in any context, because I really, really wonder if, you know, the person who raped me in the backseat of a car when I was 17 even knows that I still scream and cry and, and shake convulsively, you know, eight years later, like, yeah, from that one experience, like we, like it, like, and that's another thing too about art is like, it's a, it's an opportunity to be loud and like be in people's faces and like share what is real. Like, I wonder if I like sometimes, um, yeah, I really wonder like how much like do men think about the impact or not just like, or do people who have, I guess I associate men with assault because of my own experiences, but I understand that that's, you know, not the, the entire reality, but, you know, statistically. Yeah. But, um, like, I really just wonder, like, how many predators, like, know or think about their lifelong effect that they've had. And so that's something that I've been working on lately is, like, making a film for predators. So that's, that's what my project that I've been working on um, my main creative project, it's, it's just about the impact of, um, on a, on a person's psychology on the way that, you know, like that kind of, um, control and terror, like reigns through, um, and assists in, in your life. So, Yeah. So I guess, do you have anything that you think that you would say to anyone who might be listening to this, who has been through a similar experience or like is a young person who kind of is in a very vulnerable place? I think a lot of trauma, especially incest or, you know, sexual assault at a young age, you're stuck in. And sometimes it feels like this will be forever and you won't get out, you know? Um, and I think sometimes we need to find, like, there's, it's just terrible. And there are little escapes that we can find. Like, I think art was that for me. 
like I was very scared and very alone and struggling, but, you know, drawing on the window in the rain gave me purpose to live. And so um, I think like it can be really hard to remind yourself of purpose and remind yourself of, you know, beauty. Um, um, One time I was drugged and chased by a group of people who wanted to gang rape me. Um, I was running through the streets, like opening car doors, like trying to hide. And I remember getting into someone's car door and I, I thought, I literally thought I was like going to die in that moment. I remember this. And I looked up and I saw a tree right in front of me. And I got filled with dread because I was so scared that I would never see another tree again. Um, And I think there are moments that like, you know, like moments of beauty and moments of like simple things that, you know, gave me like the will to live. Like it was a lot of like resilience and it's a luxury to like choose to focus on that. Um, But sometimes like that's all there is like to um, remember, you know, what is beautiful, like remember the birds singing, like remember the cycles of life, like remember, um, you know, that you are powerful. Remember that you are powerful, I think is the main message that I would want to share and that um, you're important and you are very loved. And people who do these things don't love themselves. And that's the saddest sin of this all. Um, And I, you know, pray that people like also speak up. I think that is probably what I would say. If you feel uncomfortable and you feel violated and you feel like someone is making you feel unsafe or doing something that you do not feel okay with, scream at the top of your lungs in their face. Like, tell them, no, I do not like this, stop. Because a lot of times I was made, I was, I was, you know, violated by someone in power or older than me, like bosses would assault me, okay? Like literally. Um, you know, my math teacher, like I told you, friends, dads growing up. And I thought that because they were adults, they were right. I thought, oh, I'm just a kid. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that I'm like, or like they would never do anything really wrong because they're a grown up. But no, like trust your instincts. I think that's something is like, um, I think predators want us to doubt ourselves and doubt our instincts and they prey on that, that, you know, that we, you know, so I think, um, if something feels unsafe, say that. And, um, anyone, um, listening to this know that like, there's no such thing as deviancy. The way we feel about sex is, you know, experiential and the way and like I think about animals right and like what happens in nature and um how 
living things engage. Um, there's no, um, you know, I feel like there's no unnatural thing like even about sex, but there is um, ways when it is unsafe and unconsensual. And I feel like as long as we can focus on consent, like I feel like growing up, um, I was never told if you love someone and they love you, like, like I'm trying to think like how I even was told to experience sex because a lot of it was like, Oh, like you get sex when you, you have sex when you're married and have a baby and that's why you're having it. And it's like, it was never like, there was never anything about like autonomy. Um, it was always about like partnership. And I think like nurturing your sensual autonomy too, um, can help you know how you feel. Um, and I think that that's something that like our culture really doesn't talk about. Like even now with Roe versus Wade being overturned, I think about how, like, what if we all just pleasured ourselves, right? No kids, no baby. Mm -hmm. What would happen? Right? Like that's not a, a, a socially acceptable sexual identity. I feel like concept concept. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, in order to, you know, have sex and experience pleasure, you be with partners or have a partner, right? But I think like there's like a personal intimacy that we neglect in the way our, like, you know, our culture relates around sex and sensuality. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that this is something that, you know, even though I know you're really committed to talking about it, I'm sure it's really hard to talk about. And I appreciate that you're really like practicing that, you know, and saying, cause you know, I, I think it's really important that other people hear. It's just really, I think, impactful to hear um, that, in a lot of ways you've been able to cope with it, right? And I hope that that will, that process of healing will just continue to sort of grow for you. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I'm glad I'm alive at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope that um, we aren't so scared to be honest about our pain like, you know, sometimes it feels like a big secret, but you no, know, it makes us resilient. So. Yeah, definitely. So we usually end the show with a plug of some kind. Um, I feel like we don't necessarily need to do that for this one. I'll link some of the resources that you talked about in the show notes and some additional ones. Um, and as always, um, you can reach us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Instagram, that's our Gmail, and that is our Twitter. All right. Thanks all. Bye.